Hello, Skid Steer Nation. As always, I am your host, Ryan. And this week's podcast is going to be a little bit different than what we've done in the past. So typically, we have other business owners on, we do an interview process, we get to hear about their journey in business and ownership and how they've grown their business, how they've struggled in their business, what's worked for them, what hasn't. Well, this week we have no guest. It's going to be just me, myself, and I. And I wanted to do this for one primary reason. So we've had about a three-week gap in episodes. And some of you might be wondering where we've been, what we're up to, why new episodes haven't been released. And I thought the best way to do that was to just have a conversation with all of you, myself. So it is almost the end of April 2023. And back at the very beginning of March, my mother went into the hospital. She had a little bit of a bacterial infection of a lining around her heart. She's 80 years old. Might have been a big deal. Turned out it really wasn't a big deal. But my father passed away in June of 2022, so about nine months earlier, eight months earlier. And ever since he passed away, my mother's had zero will to be alive. They were married for 57 years. They were together for 60. And she has told us time and time again, all she wants to do is be reunited with dad. So with that said, the infection, the bacterial infection went away. My mom never bounced back. And after about three weeks, we went from the hospital to a rehab facility, and she was there for two weeks. And then we had the tough decision, and we put her in hospice. And I think the toughest part of putting her in hospice was actually making her a part of the decision. We didn't want to tell her what she was going to do and where she was going to live or what the next steps were. We wanted her to be a part of that process. So my brother and I sat down with my mom. We explained to her, hey, you're not eating well. Food doesn't taste good. You haven't got up and walked in over a week. These are all signs that the body's starting to shut down. And it's probably best that you go into hospice because Lance and I cannot care for you in a in a good enough way to make sure that you maintain a healthy lifestyle. So having her being a part of that decision to go into hospice was really deep and heavy personally on a personal level, but very rewarding because... I just wanted to, I never wanted to tell my mom where, what, or who, any of those questions. You're doing this, you're living here because I said so. So being able to have that conversation with her was very rewarding for me. And she went into hospice. So she stayed at the rehab facility, which is also a long-term nursing facility. And instead of getting up in the morning to go push her wheelchair for breakfast or to try to get her out of the chair for workouts, they just wanted to make her comfortable. And they did for about two weeks. 
My mother's health continued to decline. We spent, I don't know, six, eight, 10, 12 hours a day with her. My brother and I got to the point where one of us wanted to be with her and the other one couldn't. And it wasn't about us. It was about mom. We just didn't want her to be alone. And there was some hours at night that you couldn't be there. It was just, it was just too taxing. But we always made sure to talk to her that I need to go home and get some rest. Myself or Lance would be here in the morning. And then we'd spend the day with her. Well, on April 14th, at about 1.51 a.m., my mother finally passed away, was reunited with my father. And after she passed away, that was the first time in nine and a half months that I literally saw a genuine smile on my mother's face. I could look at her and I could see the joy that she gets to go be with my dad again. Um, it sounds odd to speak this out loud, but I think it's important to. So my mother would take naps in the hospital and the rehab center and she'd wake up and she would shake her head and look at me and I would say, what are, you, what are you shaking your head about? And she would look at me and say, I guess God doesn't want me today. And the only way I could comprehend what she was feeling was I could think about something in my life that I really, really, really wanted and was frustrated that I couldn't have it today. I had to wait. I had to save money. You had to order it. You just couldn't take it home with you. Whatever the scenario is, like that that anticipation that we feel, my mother literally felt that about going to heaven and being reunited with my father. So she passed away on the 14th of April. Um, we spent countless hours with her at the hospital and the rehab facility the weeks leading up to that. Um, the week after her death was about planning the funeral and the services. And they lived three hours away from my brother and I. So we had to like, coordinate in their hometown where everybody knew them and then their service. So about a week ago, we had her funeral. Excuse me. This past week, I felt really good. I felt, hmm, I felt probably a little bit more relief than sadness that she was no longer depressed, that she was no longer struggling, living a life that she'd rather not be living. She was ready to go and go be with my father. Um, but I woke up and I felt a lot of weight removed from my shoulders. In fact, it was more weight than I ever imagined that I was carrying. So the last year and a half, I have either been a caretaker for my father or my mother. When dad got sick at the beginning of 2022, 
They lived three hours away, so I was living in their house four or five days a week. My brother was living there three, four days a week because of our work schedules. And um, he passed away in the end of June of 2022. And at the middle of August of 22, we moved my mother to Peoria, where Lance and I live. And I calculated it out, and I literally spent more nights living in my parents' house the same house that I grew up as as a child than I did in my own house up to that point throughout 2022. And between my father and my mother, my brother and I were praised by nursing staff, the CNAs, hospice staff, the whole nine yards about how well we took care of our parents how much time we were there, how informed we made ourselves on their scenarios, how involved we were with their medicine plan. And they kept saying, you guys are amazing. There's so many people that don't do this for their parents. They just kind of drop them off at a facility and then they come visit when it's convenient. And I looked at them kind of cross-eyed like, there's nothing that he and I are doing that's extraordinary. In fact, what we're doing is the rule, not the exception. And it was very hard for me to hear those words and not so much because I thought I was amazing because I didn't at all. I just thought this is my mother. This is my father. We're here till the end. But to think of all the parents sitting by themselves and their kids were too busy with work or too busy with something else that they weren't involved in that on a day-to-day basis. I felt, I felt for the elderly more than I did for anyone else. Um, so yeah, that explains, <clears throat> that explains the what do we had now? A three-week gap, four-week gap in podcast episodes. I've been extremely busy tending to my family, being with them in their last weeks of life, and then managing the estate afterwards. Uh, the team at Skid Steer Nation has been absolutely amazing to do the best they could do, taking care of our customers, our orders, the shipping, the whole nine yards. But I just did not have enough podcast episodes pre-recorded, ready to go, to get through that long of a time frame. My goal was always to have two or three podcasts recorded, ready to release, so I was never under the gun that I had to get one recorded and out live the same week. It's It's just too much production time for that. But as the weeks kind of dragged on and I saw that the last episode that we had recorded went live. I just had to tell myself it's okay that there's going to be a little bit of a gap because it's, I don't, I don't have the means or the time. I have the means. I did not have the time, the will or the want because I preferred to be with my mother than I did recording a podcast episode. So we went a few weeks without and It's been, I don't know, two weeks since mom passed away. And while I personally feel 
lighter, relieved, it's still your mom. And there's still a part of you that grieves, even though she's 80, she was living alone, she already lost her husband, we moved her out of her home six weeks after she lost her husband. All that plays into it, but there's still parts like, it's your mom. And more importantly for me, it's my mom and my dad. I lost both my parents in less than 10 months. And it was a very odd feeling to be an orphan. Um, in fact, I journaled just the other day and... My intentions was my intention was to journal about Skid Steer Nation, the business, where we're at, what I need to get on track with, and what the game plan was over the next two to three weeks <clears throat> to get back on track and kind of regain our momentum. And what happened was I started journaling about mom and dad, and I kind of wrote some words that were they were pretty powerful to me and I don't have them in front of me, but the moral of the story is there are parents, you know, like <clears throat> it doesn't matter if you're 12, 20, 30. If you grew up in a good family, like I did, they're your safety net. You know, I could walk the tightrope. I could take some chances in my life professionally, personally, whatever. And if I stumbled or tripped, they were there to help, like, all right, get back on the wire. I keep moving forward. And now I don't have that safety net, and it's a very weird feeling. Um, I don't even know the best way to describe it. It's just I think walking a high line without a safety net kind of describes how I feel not having either of my parents and losing them in such a short amount of time from each other. But I also realized that I had not used my safety net in a very, very, very long time. And is it was, it was an important process for me to write those words down because it made me realize, Hey, I feel the loss of my parents. I feel the loss of that, safety net, that ability to know they'll pick me up if something stumbles. But it was as powerful for me to go, when was the last time I actually used that safety net? And I was like, huh, well over 20 years. Like I'm I'm it was powerful for me to go, I'm good. I can grieve my parents. I can miss my parents but I don't need my parents. Everything about me and my parents is a want. And it was really powerful for me. It was like a big step to move forward. Um, enough about me and my mother and father. I think the thing I really wanted to talk about today was as a business owner or an operator, manager, whatever your role is in your company, Life happens. <clears throat> Life happens. Your parents are going to get sick. Your wife's going to get sick. Um, what, I, I, your child's going to get sick. Some, 
life is going to happen. And with that, we still have certain responsibilities that we need to tend to. And if you own your own business or you're thinking about owning your own business, then you know that everything that happens within that business, you're responsible for. And if the wrong decision is made by somebody else, you're still accountable for it. And I I felt like this whole process that I've been going through with my mother was, I just like, this is a great opportunity for me to be raw, vulnerable, and discuss my own life and use it kind of as a lesson, a stepping stone for you to say, hey, life's bigger than work. Um, And to look at your business today saying, what's my framework? What's my processes? What can somebody else do in the event I can't do it? And I have to say, like, my team for Skid Steer Nation, they're amazing. They all have dedicated roles. And I also have a dedicated role for what I do within the business. But this whole process, they've all stepped up. They've all said, don't worry about it. I'll take care of your roles. Was it perfect? No. Was it good enough to get through? Absolutely. And more importantly, it was a extremely proud, satisfying, and grateful moment for me to know that I built a team within our company that one, was capable, two, willing, but three, most importantly, wanted to be there to fill in for me, to give me the space to be with my family and to grieve my mother after she passed. Um, It's pretty powerful for me. And I just kept thinking throughout this whole last two weeks, like there's always going to be something in life that comes our way. And do we have the business structured in a manner that we can take a step for a moment and handle it? Or does the business crumble if we walk away? So today, I really wanted to talk about framework, systems, processes. To me, they're different. Um, To most people, it's all the same thing. Like, what's the system? What's the process? What's the framework on how you operate your business? Can somebody else walk in and handle tasks that you typically have to do if you're not available. And to me, that gets into operating procedures. As small business owners, we micromanage. Um, That business is us. It's an extension of us. Right, wrong, or indifferent, we feel that way. So whenever something happens within the business, we want to be aware of it. We want to be in the know of it. And more importantly, we probably want to be a decision maker in that process. And it feels like the right thing to do, but what we're really doing is we're choking the business, the people we have working with us, and it's growth. It's hard to grow when you're constantly being stifled and choked. 
And some of you might be a single operator owner, and this you can say this is no relevance to me. But I disagree. There's still some relevance here. Um, the reason why I feel that way is that you probably know somebody else with a skid steer, a mini excavator, whatever the equipment is. You have a relationship with them that if you said, hey, I'm in a serious bind. My mother's in hospice. My dad broke a hip and I need to be there for three or four days to help make sure the family's there. Can you help me out? And can you handle this job? Here's the, here's the details. Here's the requirements. Here's the expectations. And they're going to say, absolutely. And I say it that way because we as human beings, we're literally programmed to help other people. Notice my words. We're programmed to help other people. We're not programmed to ask for help. And there's the rub. The rub is our pride gets in the way of us asking others for help. But if somebody asks us for help, we would drop what we're doing to make sure they had what they need. And I've always find it a, I don't know, you know the right words for this. Huh. I've always found it to be like a beautiful enigma. How can we be so willing <clears throat> to give ourselves and our time, whatever, to help somebody else out, and yet so proud, afraid, fearful, you name it, to not ask for help? And I will tell you from firsthand experience, I am the first one in line that's great at helping and awful at asking for help. But we could talk about that for hours. But at the core of that is this. If you have to ask somebody for help, do you have enough framework in your business for them to be able to actually help you? Or do they become more of a hindrance when you need an absence because they require too many questions to do the job that you ask them to do because it's wide open and there's no way to really comprehend what you want to done. Um, so whether you're a one-man crew, a four-man crew, a 40-man crew, systems, processes, and frameworks are extremely important to the business. Um, I think the easiest way for me to describe it to you guys like that is we talk a lot about having a pre-qualified list of questions that you can reference when customers call in wanting to get a bid or a quote. How do we pre-qualify that customer? How do we know their exact needs? How do we know if their budget is in line with their expectations? Like, we don't need to drive to their property to pre-qualify them. And if that list of questions is in your head, that's great. But coming from personal experience, having to walk away from my business, write them down. Be able to give them to somebody else. In the event of, worst case scenario, you never walk away and you've got a great training tool as you grow and expand your business. Um, and then from there, What's your process with the customer 
when you are on site. So you've pre-qualified them on the telephone. You get out to the property. You look at it. Nine times out of ten, we are very quick to say, yep, I can do that. When do you want me to start? Here's how much I need for it. Where we don't ask enough questions before we get to that point to go, why do you want this done? Why is it important to you? When do you need it done? Do you have another phase to this project after this work's completed? Is there a fourth or fifth phase? Because all that's relevant as to how you do the job. And what we find is that we're so excited to get work that we quit thinking about what's best for the customer, not on purpose, just as a byproduct of our excitement. Like, yep, I can do that. I'll start here Monday. And having that structure, that framework of your pre-qualifying questions to to get to the property, to justify your time being there, and then having another set of pre-qualifying questions to really understand the customer wants, desires, expectations, timeframes. If we take that time to do that, it makes the job and the process so much simpler. Um, you can go as simple as a gravel driveway, which takes most people to, to freshen up a gravel driveway one to three hours. We're talking about a very short time frame. But asking that customer why it's important to have that driveway freshened up. Are they in it for aesthetics because they want to compete with their neighbors? Or is it because it's really bad and their car bottoms out driving in? Do they have a big family event coming up next week? Like, is the time frame of getting it done more important than the dollar amount? You might be three weeks scheduled out, but she's like, no, I need it done in five days. And you could say, well, in order to do it in five days, my cost has to be this. And she'd be like, that's fine, because it's more important to have it done to them. Um, I feel like I'm getting a little off track here, and I apologize for that. This is... This is an unscripted podcast. It started out pretty emotionally for me. So as we go through this, I might be, as I sit to this moment, <laughs> a little off track. Uh, I think we're talking about having the framework of questions when you show up on a job site. In eight times out of 10, you probably ask the right questions. You probably know enough information. You can probably do the job and have no problems. But every now and then, there's going to be a customer that during the job, after the job, something pops up where they're not happy with something you did or did not do. And if you take extreme ownership where it's like, hey, that's my fault, they're not happy, regardless of why, just take extreme ownership, that's my fault, that's when you can look at your process and say, okay, what information did I not have at the beginning of this that was I should have gotten, I should have collected? And that can help you build those better questions out on the front side. Um, the framework and processes that we're talking about today are really, it's what makes the business duplicatable day in, week in, month in. Um, 
you might be a single owner operator and your goal might always be a single owner operator. And that is okay. If you're happy, I'm happy. But by having that same framework that you would build out for a team of employees, even though you're the only one, all you're doing is embedding in yourself the system of how you get it done. Here's how I handle the initial call. Here's how I handle the bid. Here's how I handle the sales process. Here's how I handle problems that arise during the job. Here's how we review the job to see if those problems were unforeseeable or, oops, I missed that at the beginning. Because everything makes you a better owner slash operator. And the better owner operator you are, the faster you do work, the more money you make, the more time you have to do whatever you want to do. So I wanted to take tonight just to say, um, yeah, there's been a gap in some podcasts. Yeah, life kind of hit me hard the last four or five weeks. Um, we all knew mom wasn't doing great, but I, di I didn't see her slipping this fast. Uh, it was literally five weeks from going to the hospital, being fine the day before, and then going into hospice, or you can look at it as seven weeks from the time she was sitting at home eating dinner to when she passed away. And I think just from my personal experience to look back and say, wow, I'm so glad that I have the standard operating procedures. I'm so glad that I take extreme ownership with the things that my team does so that if it doesn't work right, I can help them grow and not be mad at them. I'm so grateful that they all have a reference sheet of things to refer to for different jobs. It's not their typical responsibility. Um, Skidster Nation had a great April. We had an amazing March, but a great April. And I didn't work more than five hours a week in April. I wasn't sitting on a beach. I wasn't backpacking the Appalachians. I was taking time to be with my mother before she passed away and then taking time to plan her funeral, be with our family, and find a little time to grieve along the way. But it's this moment that's made me realize how important structure is. You know, we talk in the past about how 99% of upset employees, it's a lack of communication. They don't know what they're expected of them. They don't know exactly what to do. They don't know how to handle a situation. That's what makes them get upset. That's what makes them quit most of the time. And to walk the walk this past six weeks and to watch my team, in my opinion, excel because we didn't have any barn burners. We had some, you know, little grass fires in the ditch, as every business owner does, but we didn't have any barn burners. And that's with me more than likely being absent for the day taking care of my responsibilities. And so today's episode simple. If a major life event happens to you tomorrow, does your business pause or close? 
or does it limp by or or, or is it successful moving forward without you? Um, if you're too small and too new to have it move forward without you, that's okay. How are you planning to grow your business? Are you the motor? Or are you just another cylinder that helps it go forward? I personally, I'm not the motor. In fact, more times than not, I'm probably the bottleneck. You know, we have a great team. They want to do a lot of things. And I stop and say, oh, I need to do this before you get to that. And then life gets busy and we bottleneck it. Just take a moment, assess yourself, assess your business, look at where you're at, where you want to go. And if the current way you operate your business today can sustain the growth that you want to have in one, two, or three years, keep doing it. If it can't, change it today. You have the time. There's fewer people, so you're more flexible. Systemize and structure your business for three to five years ahead of where you're at. Follow it. Because the quicker you become as a habit to you, the quicker it becomes second nature to you, the easier it is to showcase that culture to new and potential employees and team members. All right, that's my lesson for the week. I think the last thing I want to say, if you're lucky enough to have a mom and dad in your life still, send them a text message, give them a phone call, hit them up on FaceTime, and if you can, drive to their house, look at them smile at you, say hello, tell them you love them, and thank them for guiding you to where you're at today. Because there will be a day that you no longer have the ability to do that. And it's a tough day. I wish I would have said it a few more times to my mom and my dad. Do I need to say it to them? No, they know. But hindsight's a bitch. And I wish I could tell him one more time. So God bless you guys. Um, thanks for your patience with our little bit of an absence. And we'll get back on track with our normal interview process next week. So until then, keep your hands on the joysticks. Keep your tracks on the ground. And the dollars in your checkbooks. Take care, guys.